Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join our special guest as he teaches from the Word of God. Thank you, brother. (laughs) Repeat after me with enthusiasm. Lord, I believe your word. word. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. God. Come, Come, Holy Spirit. My name is Kyle Jones, and I am not one of your pastors or staff here at River of Life. I say that every time, and my wife asked me that not too long ago. She said, why do you always say that? And I said, it is really simple. I said, because we have the best of the best who speak from this pulpit. Uh, we do, you know, and I don't know if you know this, but if you were to take Pastor Chuck, Pastor Bill, my dad, and you were to add up all of their years of preaching, it's like over 130 years of preaching experience. (laughs) And they have all of those credentials that go along with that, all the degrees, all the training, all of that. Me, I have none of that. So my goal, and well, by the way, because they have that, when they step into the pulpit, what do we expect? We've got like very super high expectations when they step up here. And rightfully so. With me, I don't have any of that. So my goal, when I get up here, I want to set like really low expectations. And then if I do a mediocre job, everybody will tell me how great I did. So my, my wife uh, laughed at that. But in all seriousness, we're all commissioned to share the gospel. None of us measure up. None of us can do it, can do it justice. And it should never, never, never be about how we look or perform when we're ministering. It always has to be about furthering his kingdom and making Jesus Christ the center. A few weeks ago, um, we had the, the kids' Christmas play. Who attended? Who, who, who watched the Christmas play? Let me tell you, in my opinion, that Christmas play was not just the best play that we've ever done in this church. I think it was the best Christmas play ever done in Walcala County. It was, it was phenomenal. There was a line in the play where one of the kids said, God always gives power to those who will share his story. And here at River of Life, we are committed to not just be a church where the pastors and the church staff will be the one sharing his story, but we'll be a church that equips this congregation to all do the will of the Lord so that we can all serve the Lord and further his kingdom through his power. That's what I love about River, River of Life. Today, I'm going to talk about fathers, and I'm a father. I have a son who is 14. I have a daughter who's 20. I have a future son-in-law who is 22, who I've had the pleasure of spending time with since he's been in the, the sixth grade. And I love being a father. It has really been one of the great joys of my life. 
But I have to say, I can relate to the person who said raising kids is part joy and part guerrilla warfare. (laughs) Sometimes uh, I'm the hero in my house, and then other times I am the gorilla that every, everybody hates. And you men, all of you men in the church, know exactly what I'm talking about. The title of my message today is, Do You Have Any Idea Who My Father Is? Do you have any idea who my father is? Speaking of fathers, most of you know that my dad is Henry Jones, the founding pastor here at River of Life. And for years, for years, I've been coming here my whole life pretty much. For years, I've always heard people describe him as being a kind, patient, gentle man. And the only, the only problem with that is that's not the way I remember him growing up. In fact, I'm not lying to you, I still wake up in the middle of the night some, sometime with night sweats, and I have flashbacks of how he treated me when I was a young boy. I, tr- I truly think he viewed me as a disposable asset when I was growing up, and I lie not, I was a young boy. He told me one time, he said, if I did not straighten up, that he would take me out of this world and him and mom could make another one just like me. (laughs) So I'll give you an example. We were living in Cottonwood, Alabama. I was 12 years old. I believe dad would have been in his early 30s around that time. And I was in that transition period between you know, turning a boy, kind of transitioning into a young man. And I was doing what most boys do at that age. I was punching him and jabbing him and just antagonizing him. And this went on and on and on. And then finally, he had enough. And he looked at me and he said, if you don't straighten up, I am going to dunk your head in the toilet. (laughs) Well, I responded in the absolute worst possible way that a young boy could respond to his father. In fact, to all the young men in the church today, if you don't get anything out of this message, please, please learn from what I'm about to tell you and never, never do this. But when my dad said that, I bowed up and I looked him straight up in the face and I said, you're not man enough to dunk my head in the toilet. Now, (laughs) I lie not, everything after that point is still somewhat of a blur today. But needless to say, I got a close-up view of what a toilet looks like from the inside. So that's really my dad for you. In all, in all seriousness, for those of you who have had or have strong father figures, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They provide a sense of fear, a, a, a sense of refuge, a sense of protection. And, and I'll tell you, most of all, they provide a sense of security. 
And the reason why is, is because those of us who grew up with, grew up with strong fathers, what did we all know? And I bet every one of you can relate to what I'm going to say. We knew, we knew that if our dads got involved, they could take care of business in just about any situation. I was a, I was a uh, sophomore at Wakala High School. And um, I was having some issues with one of my, my teachers. And uh, she summoned a parent-teacher conference. And I'll tell you, this teacher was an absolute force to reckon with. And I was scared to death when she called this, uh, this parent-teacher conference. And I remember as we walked into, at Walkala High School, we walked into her classroom. And uh, I was trying to kind of forewarn my, my dad he just told me to shut up and to keep my mouth shut. And we walked in, and she had us sit down. She was at her desk, and she placed us right in front of her desk in the actual, you know, I don't know what kids sit in this day, but this is when we each had individual little desks. And I remember we all sat down, and Dad was sitting in that desk looking up at the teacher there. And I tell you, she was stern, and she was very well prepared and very well spoken. She launched off, and I remember looking over at my dad thinking, I've never heard anybody talk to him that way. I didn't, I didn't think I had a chance. Well, then something happened. I watched my dad in a Christian way. Uh, he didn't say anything ugly. He didn't say anything mean. But in a Christian way, my dad stepped up, and he took control of that situation. And he fixed it in a way that restored that relationship between me and that teacher in a way that I had never had never seen. I think she even upgraded me to an A before that parent-teacher conference was over. My father took care of business for me because I was his child. And I'll tell you, something happened after that day because I was scared of this teacher. Every time I'd walk in, I, I would walk in kind of a little, a little intimidated with my head down. Well, ever since after that meeting that day, I walked in that classroom a little differently. I had my chest out, my chin up with a little more confidence than what I would normally walk into that classroom, not because of who I was, but because of who my father was. Strong fathers know how to take care of business. Now, I know I'm telling you a lot of stories this morning. This next story is actually the inspiration for this message. And as funny as it was to me, it changed my life as a believer. Um, a couple of years ago, my wife and I, we purchased a, a small farm up in South Georgia. And you know how it is when you go into these rural communities. I'm viewed as an outsider. We, we got a kind of set up up there and nobody welcomed me to the area. Nobody came to, to visit with exception of a young 20-year-old farmer in the area. He was the son of one of the largest and most wealthy, largest farmers and wealthy businessmen in the area. But this young 20-year-old was the only one. And one day he came, I'll never forget, he came, comes whipping into the way too fast it, uh, down the road leads to my, my camp and he jumps out of his truck. He's got a Budweiser in his hand. He's got a Marlboro cigarette in his mouth and a lip full of Copenhagen. I just looked at it. I didn't even know it was possible to do all three of those things <laughs> at the same time. 
Well, we, we, got to, we got to be friends, and he would come over often, and we would, we would visit. Well, then weeks and weeks went by, and I never heard from him. So I wasn't real sure what happened, but then one day I was at my hunt camp, and I heard the tires kind of squeal out on the highway, and I heard somebody pulling in way too fast down my driveway, and here, here he comes, and he jumps out of the truck, I said, well, how, how's it been going? And he said, not too good. He said, I just got out of jail. And with an intensity and seriousness, he started telling me the whole story of how he, he got out of jail. He said, uh, he said those uh, officers, they arrested me. They roughhoused me. They, 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 they take me into the, 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 uh, uh, the, the sheriff's office. They give me certain clothes to put on. They take my cell phone away from me. They were just downright mean to me. Uh, they treated me like I was a, just a dog. And, um, and he said, finally, I'd had enough. And he said, I looked up at those officers. I looked them right in their eyes and I said, do you have any idea who my father is? And I kind of laughed on the inside a little bit. I tried not to laugh out loud. But, and I said, well, what did, what, what did they say? And he said, can you believe they looked at me and they said, son, we don't care who your father is. And, we, and he can't help you in here. Well, <laughs> and I'm laughing a little bit now because I got to say, as I'm telling this story, I'm not going to call any names, but I see several of you out there nodding your head like you can relate firsthand to what that young farmer was talking about. That's what I love about this. That's what I love about this church. And, and just so I'm not a hypocrite, just so I'm not a hypocrite, I was, when I was, I think, 16 years old, uh, we, were, it, we were at a back-to-school party down at Shell Point. This was back in the days when the whole school kind of hung out together. And we, there was probably 300 kids there. We were down at Shell Point making way too much noise. And uh, long story short, I ended up getting a free ride to the Walkala County Sheriff's Office in the back of a police car. Well, we, I got there, and because I was a minor, 16, they said, well, I had to call my, my dad to come get me out. Now, I know we're talking about fathers this morning, but there was no possible way I was going to call my dad to come pick me up from the Walkala County Sheriff's Office. So I did what every 16-year-old would do in that predicament. I called my uncle. <laughs> in fact, I think, I think my Uncle Clint is in the service today. Thank you, Uncle Clint, for taking the call that night and for taking care of business for me. Had you, had you not, I may still be, I may still be in the jail. But I got way off. I got way off track there. But let me tell you what I learned. Back to the young young farmer story. What I learned from that farmer that day out in the woods, as funny as that story was to me, it began to soak in, and I began to think about it. And what what that young farmer did when he was in the face of an adversity, when he was dealing with something that was beyond his power to control. He called on the name of the most powerful force in his life. And he did it with intensity and he did it with passion. He called on the name of his earthly father. And what, as I soaked on that, I began to think and I fell under conviction. And what I realized that day 
was that that young 20-year-old farmer was putting more faith and more confidence in his earthly father than what I had been doing with my heavenly father. And I just fell under tremendous, tremendous conviction. And I began to, to ask myself, how would my life change if I approached every obstacle, every challenge, every issue that I came in counter with, every sinful temptation? How would my life change if I approached those same situations with that same intensity, that same passion as what that young farmer did to those prison guards when he said, do you have any idea who my father is? So, and I, and I don't know who picked out the music this morning, but wow, this was perfect. I, I love the, the, the praise and worship. But uh, so what does, the, what does the Bible say about Jesus Christ being our Father? In John chapter 1, it says, But to all who believed and accepted him, he gave them the right, the right to become children of God. In Galatians chapter 3, it says, For you are children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, this is, this is my favorite. It says, And I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And Priscilla, that's what we were singing about this morning. And uh, so that was... The Bible, and there's a multitude of scriptures. And what I realized is all those years I've been praying, when I pray, as many of us do, how do we start out those prayers? Dear Heavenly Father. But I really wasn't living it. I wasn't believing it in my heart like I, like I should be. You know, David was a young shepherd boy who went out to visit his brothers on the battlefield. And when he showed up, he saw Goliath standing before the army of Israel, challenging anyone to step out and fight him. And at the same time, he was blaspheming God. And although David was the youngest and the least experienced, David accepted that challenge. And when he walked out on the battlefield, too young and too small to even wear any armor, Goliath was insulted that the great army of Israel would send a child out to fight him. You know what Goliath says to David as David went out on the battlefield? He says, I'm going to rip you into pieces. And without hesitation, David looked at Goliath and he says, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. Let me paraphrase what David said to Goliath that day. Goliath, do you have any idea who my father is? And we all know how that story ended. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were arrested. They were brought before King Nebuchadnezzar because they refused to bow down to a gold statue that the king had erected. It was the law of the land that they had to bow down, and they refused. They were brought before King Nebuchadnezzar and given one last chance. I think King Nebuchadnezzar was actually doing it out of mercy originally, but he brought them before him to give these young boys one last chance to bow down before the the gold statue. And you know what they said to him? They said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, 
we don't have to defend ourselves before you because the God that we serve can rescue us and save us even from your power. But let us be clear. We want to be real clear with you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Even if he doesn't, we will never bow down before the statue that you've erected. Let me paraphrase for you what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to King Nebuchadnezzar that day. Old Nebuchadnezzar, do you have any idea who our father is? And we all know how that story ended, don't we? They were immediately bound. Their hands and feet were bound. All three of the young men were thrown into a fiery furnace. And the only thing that was consumed by the fire that day were the ropes that bound their hands and feet. Elisha and his helper were being pursued by the Syrian army. Elisha's helper wakes up early one morning, walks outside and discovers that they're totally surrounded by the Syrians. They appear to be in an impossible situation with impossible odds. Elisha, in, or the helper, in despair, wakes up Elisha, says, what do we do now? And Elisha says to his helper, don't worry, don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than are on theirs. Do I need to paraphrase for you what Elisha said to his helper? Don't worry. Do you have any idea who our father is? And we all know how that story ended, don't we? Elisha prayed that his helper's eyes would be open and then his helper could look across the horizon and he saw thousands of chariots of fire and horses totally around them. He saw God's army was with them. And Elisha and his helper were delivered that day and God was... God was glorified. When you become his child and he truly becomes your father, the king of kings and the Lord of lords can and will do things in your life that you never thought possible. But he's got to be your father and you got to walk in it. Where's Henry? Henry, come up here and join me. Stand right here. Stand right here. Henry has no idea. I just told him to come to church and look good today. (laughs) He doesn't know what I'm going to say. But this is my nephew, Henry Lewis. He is the son of my sister and my brother-in-law, Lee, and Carolyn Lewis, and... I tell Henry that he gets his good looks from me. What do, you, what do y'all think? <laughs> and Henry is also a champion runner. So he runs for the Walkala High School track team. He just recently uh, ran at the state meet. And Henry, correct me if I'm wrong, but Henry, he placed higher at the statewide meet than any runner ever has in the history of the Walkala... <laughs> high school track team. (laughs) So Henry is a great runner, but also Henry has a heart after the the Lord too. And I know the Lord's going to use him in great ways, but that wasn't always the case. Early on in Henry's life, 
We didn't know Henry. My family didn't know Henry. Henry didn't even know us. We didn't even speak the, the same language, did we? But then my sister and her husband began the process of adoption. Henry was born, and you were born in Ethiopia, correct? And uh, my, my, my sister and my brother-in-law started the process of adoption. It was a long process. You should talk to my sister and brother-in-law about it if you ever have an opportunity. But then the day came when uh, Henry was going to be able to come, come home. And we were all at the airport. And I remember we were sitting at the airport. Our family was outside the glass doors that go back to the gates. So we were waiting. And I remember seeing my sister. Henry was just a little little toddler. My sister walks around the corner holding Henry, and then she, my sister can see through the, the gates. Well, instead of continuing to carry him, she sets him down on the, the ground. And as soon as his little legs hit the ground, he, he could see through the glass doors, he takes off running. Fast as he can, doors open, and he just leaps, leaps into our arms, hugging us, kissing us, laughing, laughing, and uh, speaking in some type of dialect that none of us could, <laughs> could, could understand. But that was one of the most memorable days in my life, and I'll never forget it. But that day, even though Henry had never known us, and we didn't know Henry until that day, but that day when Henry ran through those doors and leaped into our arms... He became an equal standing member in the Lewis and the Jones family that day. And it was one of the best days of my life. So, hey, everybody give, give Henry a hand. You can sit back down. Everyone in this service today is looking through a glass door of some sort with Jesus Christ on the other side. You may need to make him your father this morning. You may have a giant in your life that you need to defeat. You may be in a fiery furnace of some sort, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and you need to be delivered. Or you may be in a situation where you feel like there is no hope and there is no chance of escape, just like Elisha and his helper. Jesus Christ is on the other side of those glass doors. And he is standing there, with wide open arms, just waiting. And I can tell you, we've had fun and laughed talking about earthly fathers this morning. But there's not an earthly father in the world that won't let you down. And there's also, or I'll put it this way, earthly fathers, uh, their power is limited. But when it comes to our heavenly father, his power is limitless limitless. And I'll tell you something else. When it comes to Jesus, he wants each and every one of us to be proud, to be proud that he is our father. 
And he wants us to put our faith in him wholeheartedly. So my question to you this morning is what would happen? What would happen as we move into 2024? What if we laid our pride to the side? What if we humbled ourselves? And what if, just like Henry did when he was a little toddler, what if we ran through those doors, those glass doors, never looking back, and jumped into Jesus' arms? And then we treated every situation, we took on everything in our lives with a mindset of, do you have any idea who my father is? What would happen? I'm convinced that if we did that, we would have more breakthroughs in 2024. I'm convinced that we would see more miracles in 2024. I'm convinced that we would see more salvations in 2024. And I'm also convinced, and maybe this is the most important one, I think we would have more victory over sin in our lives with that type of mindset. I heard this from someone in this church not too long ago. It says, the truth is we have one of two choices. We can either choose to meander in the maze of mediocrity or we can choose to really know who our father is to really walk in that and to be a disciple of Jesus Christ thank you Would you stand with me, please? As we stand, a scripture came to my mind as I was listening to my son preach. Jesus said something in the New Testament that's really startling. He said something that would make us think that by the time he returns, that all faith on earth will have almost passed away. These are the words of Jesus. It's in the Gospel of Luke. He said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? I want to tell you what Kyle's been preaching about today is faith. Believing that your Heavenly Father is who he said he was in the book of Jeremiah when he said, I'm the Lord God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? What Kyle's been sharing today is that we have a Heavenly Father. Is faith fading away in our day? Is it fading away in the church? Is it fading away in your life? Or do we really believe? Do we have faith? Faith that God can fix what's wrong. Faith that God can save my soul. Faith that God can turn my marriage around. Faith that God can make this a better year than any year I've ever had. Would you bow with me, please? Father... Help us to receive this word today. Help us, Lord, to respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray 
that something will happen within each of us today and we will begin to catch a glimpse of who our Father really is and what our Father can really do. Father, help us on this last day of 2023 uh, and as we look for a new year to put our eyes on you and to believe once again. Increase our faith, we pray. Now, I'm not going to say an amen because we're going to begin to sing and the altar is open. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.